Hey, it's Rochelle, and you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a production of Catholic Answers. Welcome to the place to transform the world by transforming yourself. So, I got a message from a listener requesting that I talk about relics. Now, relics are awesome, yes, but that's not why I have decided to talk on this topic today. Truth be told, it's because the request made me laugh, and I have a weird sense of humor, but stick with me. They said something to the effect of, I've asked people their opinions on relics, but I don't understand them, and they still just seem a little creepy to me, right? And that that made me laugh because think about it, like relics can seem creepy. First class relics of saints are pieces of a dead person's body, right? Like bone, nail, hair, blood. Some instances, it's like a whole limb. But what amuses me and tickles my funny bone is that we've been conditioned to like look past this very obvious fact that would otherwise seem creepy. But there's a really important reason for that. See, relics are the means by which we can encounter, receive, and respond to God's grace or to his miracles. They are not the producers of that grace on their own. They're kind of like a middleman, you know, and we intuitively know this. So let's have a little refresher on relics. So there's three classifications. There's first-class relics, which we've already talked about being parts of saints' bodies, A second-class relic is a piece of a saint's clothing or something they use during their life. And a third-class relic is an object which has been touched to a first-class relic. And a number of people don't realize this, but relics are sacramentals. Not sacraments, but sacramentals. And a sacramental resembles a sacrament in that it's a physical thing through which a spiritual gift, like a grace, is given. And who gives us that gift? God. And the Catechism says about relics that by them, men are disposed to receive the chief effects of the sacraments and various occasions of life are rendered holy. Did you get that? By them, various occasions in life are rendered holy. What? I know. Sign me up for that because I need all the help that I can get. And sacramentals can be medals, rosaries, holy water, like a whole bunch of other objects and relics, obviously, right? But what sets relics apart in my mind is this long-standing tradition of miraculous healings or raising up of people from the dead that are associated with relics. And when I say long-standing tradition, I mean accounts in scripture, even in the Old Testament. And the first time we hear about this in scripture is in 2 Kings when a dead man is exposed to the bones of Elisha, like they touch his body, he's brought back to life. It's really a pretty wild story. So if you haven't read it, you don't know what I'm talking about. You can go ahead and read it, chapter 13 in 2 Kings. And then in the New Testament, we have three recorded instances. When the woman with the hemorrhage touches the hem of Jesus's cloak, right? And then she's healed. And then in the Acts of the Apostles, there's two instances First, you know, when Peter's walking down the street and his shadow um, overshadows those who are sick and they're healed. And then also when there are pieces of cloth that are touched to the body of Paul and then they're carried out into the world, right, in which 
when they come in contact with the sick, the diseased, and the possessed, they're all healed. So these examples in scripture are of bones and of cloth that has touched a holy person, right? And so these ancient relics sound like what we have today for relics, right? It's like the same thing. And this belief and this acceptance that bones and cloth that have been touched to a holy person can bring about healing is something that was just never questioned really in early Christianity. Like the early Christians, they were persecuted a lot, right? And a lot of early Christians were martyred for believing in Christ. So the collecting of their bones and the ashes in instances when they were burned was done on the reg, right? Because early Christians, they had no beef with relics. They were just kind of second nature in the Christian understanding. And so the logic here is that when you're martyred, it takes a supernatural grace, right? A gift from God to be able to be tortured and whatnot and not renounce the faith. And that supernatural grace was God working in their life and in their martyrdom, you know, of these holy men and women. And his work can continue in them even after they're dead through their remains. But also, holy people in life make us want to be holy, right? They draw us closer to God. And relics continue to do the same thing, even after the saint has died. But remember, it's not the actual remains or the relic that is holding some sort of special magical power in any way whatsoever. It's a channel in which God can choose to give us grace or to perform miracles, right? It all comes from God. And I think my favorite account of collecting of a martyr's remains as relics is the martyrdom of Polycarp. And he was the Bishop of Smyrna, and he was martyred in 156 AD. It's probably one of the most well-known martyrdom accounts. And so after Polycarp has been martyred, the Church of Smyrna, where he's from, like the people who he had been shepherding, who he had been teaching in the faith, they wrote about the martyrdom account, like what happened. You know, after it had ended, they wrote about it. And this is what they said about his remains or his relics. They said, we afterwards took up his bones as being more precious than the most exquisite jewels and more purified than gold and deposited them in a fitting place. So right now, after I said that, you might be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. More precious than the most exquisite jewels and more purified than gold? Like, I don't know how I feel about that right now. That kind of sounds maybe like idolatry, like you're about to start worshiping these remains. No, that's not the case. But that can be a common hang-up for some people. But like we said before, relics are a means by which we can encounter, receive, or respond to God's grace or miracles. They are not the producers of that grace on their own. And I think St. Jerome said it the best in the 4th century. You know, St. Jerome translated the first Greek Septuagint or scriptures into Latin, right? So he kind of knows his stuff, kind of knows what he's talking about. He said, we do not worship, we do not adore, for fear that we should bow down to the creature rather than to the creator. But we venerate the relics of the martyrs in order the better to adore him whose martyrs they are, right? So when we venerate relics, we're sending praise towards God. And if you are at all curious what the church has said officially on relics, besides what's in the catechism, um, 
and the veneration of relics, the Council of Trent, they made a pronouncement in 1513 about such thing, and so this is what they've said. The sacred bones of the holy martyrs and of the other saints living with Christ, which have been living members of Christ and the temple of the Holy Spirit, and which are destined to be raised and glorified by him unto eternal life, should also be venerated by the faithful. Through them, many benefits are granted to men by God. So right now you might be like, okay, I get it. I can go with it. But you might have that burning question, why the middleman? Why do we need relics to be conduits of this grace that God wants to give me? Why can't God just give me that grace or that miracle one-on-one, you know, mano y mano? Now, it's my opinion that the reason has something to do with Christ's mystical body, which is made up of God as the head and us, his members. But his members include the living on earth as well as the communion of saints in heaven and the holy souls in purgatory. Interesting fact. Did you know that there are relics in Catholic altars, right? Like inside there's a relic in there, like stored. And it's been a long-standing liturgical understanding that it's the whole mystical body of Christ participating in the sacrifice of the mass, right, through our prayers. I mean, we know that, but like, do we ever stop and think about how that also includes the communion of saints in heaven and the holy souls in purgatory, right? So like having relics in our altars represents those members who are no longer living here on earth, right? So we're all physically present as well as spiritually present. Anyways, so the saints in heaven. So they've gone before us and now they're sharing in the divine life. And the divine life is that perfect charity, that perfect love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that perfect charity is constantly, constantly being poured out on us. And so when I think about relics, I'm reminded of this. And I think about how these persons whom I've never, ever met, or I might not even know anything about them, especially if they're a saint that I've never heard of, how they love me perfectly and want nothing more than for me to be able to share in the divine life that they are now sharers in. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm in awe at how... God has provided me with so much assistance, with so many companions from beyond the veil to help me on my pilgrimage towards my true home, which is eternity with the Lord. And when I remember this, I think, of course, it's fitting that God can give us grace and miracles. You know, these are instances of his love for us. Of course, he can do this through relics, you know, the remains of his departed sons and daughters who also sojourned in this land, which is not our home, nor was it theirs, in order to remind us of heaven and the call for us to persevere in running the race. In short, my answer to the question, why the middleman? Why the use of relics? My answer to that is, why not, right? Relics are just another occasion for God to love us. I mean, he gives us grace all the time. He performs miracles all the time without relics. But with relics, he can do it also, right? We just need to be able to let God be God and love us the way he wants to love us, right? So why would we ever want to limit any occasion to receive a grace from God? So just stop being choosy and accept the way that God wants to love you. And if it happens to be through a relic, hey, take it. And trust me, accepting the way that God wants to love you 
in the way he wants and at the time he wants is not always the easiest thing to do. My spiritual director is reminding me that I need to get better at this. Probably during every single visit, he reminds me. But when I am successful at letting God do God, my life is grand. So don't forget that Clumsy Theosis is the place to transform the world by transforming yourself. You can start by subscribing to this podcast where all good podcasts are found. And then you can go out and venerate a relic. You can keep up with me and the show on Instagram at Clumsy Theosis. And don't be shy. Message me any topics that you're interested in. All right, everybody. It's been dead awesome. I know that's a horrible joke, but we're going with it. Okay, everyone. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in this week to Clumsy Theosis. Each week, we explore a topic within the Catholic faith to aid listeners like yourself, as well as yours truly, in the advancement and deepening of the spiritual life and the personal ownership of our relationship with the big guy upstairs and his church. As cliche as it sounds, the world needs you. Become who you were created to be with Clumsy Theosis, the place to transform the world by transforming yourself.